from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. There it is, Johnny Gilbert on guitar once again. Oh, I miss it. Sometimes dream of it, Sarah. This is Inside Jeopardy. Welcome back, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Michael Davies, joined by my producer, Sarah Foss. Nice to join you. I have to say, I've had people from our staff actually comment to me that they didn't know Johnny Gilbert played guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my word. We are not steps away from the Alex Trebek no. uh, stage today. We are in New York City. We're on location. I know. You are in the crap part of Soho at the offices of Embassy Row, my production company. Wonderful to have you here, Sarah. Thanks for welcoming me. So, uh, last week's episode, I wasn't part of. You interviewed Michelle and Billy, our head writers, with the great Buzzy Cohen. Um, Buzzwald, as I call him, his full name. Ah, yes, Buzzwald. Buzzwald Austin David Cohen, I believe is his full name. I like that he revealed to us your middle name. You know, I didn't even know that was what the P was. And then there was Buzzy with the info. Yeah, Peterson, the Swedish blood, the uh, Viking blood in me. So Billy and Michelle, I cannot say enough about how talented they are. My favorite part, honestly, of Jeopardy is that meeting in the writer's room in the mornings before taping and going through the grids of the clues that are going to be on the show, all the shows that are coming up that day. So we look at these big pieces of paper and we have 61 clues between the Jeopardy round, between double and final. We look at all the backups as well. I mean, we read through maybe 320, 330 clues and that the material so often puts a smile on my face, just the quality of the writing. Yeah, well, you were one of the first people to say you would listen to the podcast and how great it was to hear from Billy and Michelle. We heard so many nice comments from others who just love to hear from our writers, get a little glimpse into both of their magnificent minds. And it was a fun interview for Buzzy and me, for sure. Yeah, and a very exciting period coming up on Jeopardy. We've shot the first 25 episodes of the season and they were superb as you sort of teased a little bit last week we've had a we've had a season 39 has got off to an incredible start when we come back into production we go into second chance we then go into the toc lots of concern out there remaining about the election day plan and what we're going to do i don't want to give too much away but we are planning something really uh, tremendous for election day i believe it may well break the internet as well that's all i'm going to say at this point And it will be airing on November 8th, so certainly we will also pay tribute as it will be the second year anniversary of when we lost Alex Trebek. Yeah, overall, we owe him a fantastic episode of Jeopardy on that day. Uh, And then uh, Celebrity Jeopardy, which we are getting ready to shoot. That will be the next thing we actually shoot on the Alex Trebek stage. Um, I know ABC have announced a number of the celebrities We have some more coming in on a daily basis. We're very excited about the people we've got. I think the number one thing that I look to do in booking, and it's hard because the celebrities don't take the test. We don't have the test scores. We don't interview them. We sort of have to kind of divine who will be really good at this game and who won't be. So we obviously went to fans of the show, um, tried to go for people who we think are going to be able to handle the material we're going to ask them to uh, respond to on the show. But I'm really excited about the quality of the players we've got coming into that tournament. I think one of my favorite comments I've seen so far from one of our celebrities who has been announced, Patton Oswalt, he said, this is the one where you uh, guess the letters, right? Yeah. But don't, all kidding aside, he knows exactly what he signed up for. We can't wait to have him on Celebrity Jeopardy. We are introducing a new format, I should say here, for Celebrity. Uh, We've not announced that yet. We will be, we're going to be testing a little bit more and we will be announcing the format. It's, we're not changing the game. 
but we are going to be tweaking the format for Celebrity Jeopardy. We'll be announcing that uh, in the next few weeks at some point. Absolutely. You will hear it right here on Inside Jeopardy. Got a lot of fun stuff ahead in today's episode of Inside Jeopardy. You're going to be hearing my special conversation with our official Jeopardy hosts, Ken Jennings and Mayim Bialik. Such a treat for me to have a chance to speak with both Ken and Mayim together in their first exclusive joint interview since the host announcement. Yeah, this is the exclusive thing, <laughs> a world exclusive on Inside Jeopardy. And I got to say, like with all of these tournaments, all of the content within the franchise happening, you know, across syndication, primetime, digital, social, everything we're doing. We are just so fortunate to get to work alongside both Ken and Mayim. They are passionate about the show. And as I intimated in my newsletter when I announced it, you know, the staff and crew are passionate about them. And uh, just so looking forward to hearing the interview, so looking forward to working with them both this season. But first, as always, let's get into the games. Let's get into the recaps. Well, Monday was a big game. I think one of our biggest games of the season. So, so great to see it again. Amy Schneider was introduced to the giant killer, Roan Talsma. Yeah, we didn't really see this coming. I can tell you in the control room, (laughs) this was not the game that I saw her going out on. But it is the second time that a librarian from Chicago put an end to a super champion streak. The first, of course, you will remember, was Emma Betcher, who beat James Holtzauer during his 32-game winning run back in season 35. So you never know what librarians are going to bring to the Alex Trebek stage. It really came down to final Roan trailing Amy by $10,000. One of her few non-runaway games, as I remember it. Roan wagered $12,000, was the only player to respond correctly with uh, Bangladesh, and a phenomenal uh, celebration ensued. Absolutely. You know, there's 195 countries out there. People thought, how could Amy not get this one? But it's just in the moment. If you know it, you know it. People wondered the same thing about Ken Jennings back when he said, what is FedEx, when the response was H&R Block. So even the best of champions once in a while get stopped up by a final Jeopardy. Tuesday, this was Henry Rizicki. Uh, He was the champion, Patrick Burnett and Christine Welchel. She came in and stole the day. Yeah. You know, I think we were also moved by her interview with Ken where she mentioned, you know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The very next week, she took the Jeopardy test and actually had her audition right before her surgery and came to play on the show officially cancer-free and in remission. So fun to see her pull off that victory. Oh, which was a tiebreaker, by the way. Yes, doesn't happen too often. Christine didn't wager enough, even though she was in the lead, to to secure the win. So she got the tie. They went into the tiebreaker. She comes up with what is Poppy. She's a Jeopardy champion. Wednesday's episode, she bought in, I think, her four-day win streak, but then faced Margaret Shelton. Uh, Uh, Who can forget Margaret Shelton? This was fun because this was the beginning. We had Christine, and we began a back-to-back Three female four-day champions. So here comes Margaret, and they went head-to-head throughout. Christine went into final in second, but she made the smart wager. Margaret actually didn't wager enough to secure her win, but she came up with the correct response, and she was our champion. Then Thursday's episode, Maureen O'Neill, the third of those uh, female champions you're speaking about. She takes on Miranda Wilson and Gundeep Singh. Yeah, she started out right with reality TV. She knew her lane. She got a few of those correct. And we could see a smile on her face when Broadway musicals came up in final. She came up with Rent. And although Miranda was also correct, Maureen remained our champion. And then on Friday, Kira Donegan came in, a relative, I believe, the sister of one of our JNCC competitors. Yes, the twin sister of Kristen Donegan, who made it to the semifinals in our National College Championship this past year. 
Uh, Nicole, she had a strong lead after the Jeopardy round, but Jackie Kelly ended up coming back and uh, stealing this, and she'll be going to our TOC. Yeah, this is one of those games where none of our contestants could come up with the correct response. As a result, Jackie Kelly, no one more surprised than her to pull off the victory, and she would go on to win three more games and guarantee herself a spot in the TOC once we announce that all of our four-day champions would be moving on. Okay, those are the recaps. We've got another five incredible episodes coming up this week. But now, drum roll. This is it, <laughs> Sarah. The first, the world exclusive, the first joint interview with the hosts of Jeopardy, Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings. Mayim and Ken, welcome to Inside Jeopardy. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's official. You are our hosts. Mayam, what does it mean to you to be hosting Jeopardy officially? Um, it's very exciting and especially exciting to get to, to share this honor and this platform with Ken, who is such a legend. And it's very exciting. It's overwhelming, but in a really good way. <laughs> Ken, how about for you? I'm just such a fan of the show. Like to this day, I feel like a fan. You know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am without all the Jeopardy I watched as a kid. And then, of course, it changed my life in a big way 20 years ago. It's just an honor to be associated with the show in any way. And now with Mayim, double the perks. I think both of you have learned how passionate our fans are. And oftentimes, they love to share kind words and sometimes not so kind. You've both had to live this. You're real people living this in real time. What has that been like? I mean, we're still people, so, you know, I can't say that... You know, when you hear things that are um, constructive criticism, that you don't start thinking a little too much about it. Um, but I don't know. I kind of take everybody's opinion both with a grain of salt and also believe everybody has a right to their opinion. I don't know. Yeah, even as a contestant, I remember being shocked at how free... It was the early days of the Internet, <laughs> but people were still very much like, well, I'm sick of this guy already. And I'm like, oh, there's like three more months in there. <laughs> like, this guy's going to have a bad summer. Um, and I, I just kind of had to dissociate. Like, you know what? Jeopardy's got such a big, diverse audience. You're not going to be able to please everybody every night. But I think that's the virtue of having a couple hosts. You know, it's a big, diverse audience, and maybe that helps broaden the tent. You know, it's a, it's a matter of taste, hosting style. I, I like you much better than I like myself. So, <laughs> oh, know. likewise. I like you both. I think what's interesting is people don't realize that you have spent very little time together up until this point, because obviously if you're hosting Mayam, Ken, you're not here, and At vice Mayim's versa. request. <laughs> <laughs> no, because of COVID, there were so many rules and restrictions around things. I think people were wondering if we were the same person and just right. doing elaborate... Like, like Superman and, and Clark Kent. Right. Like. Yeah. No, it's been really nice to get to actually physically be together, and um, yeah, it makes it really fun. This is the first day we're really kind of hanging out here. That's us, like we do. <laughs> Actually, you did have one other chance to hang out, I know, recently. Not on the Jeopardy set, but on your stomping grounds at Call Me Cat. What was that like? Yeah, Ken um, very, very graciously appears in our season opener of Call Me Cat. It's, it's very exciting. It was exciting, I mean, pretty much for everyone, because I know you're very humble, but everybody <laughs> freaked out when they heard that Ken Jennings was coming. The episode is called... Call me Ken Jennings. And um, it's, that, that's at my request. It's, it's really fun. And it was, you know, it's very meta to have my character meeting Ken Jennings. And I we, play myself. He plays himself. I'm not like a mysterious figure from Cat's Pass. And you're, right. you're, very, you're very funny. And you did a really great job. I mean, a sitcom set is very, very different than what you do here. But everybody was completely just tickled by you. And your continuity was really good because we have to do it a bunch of times. And you were hilarious. And it was really fun. I was geeking out, like, just to see kind of... Because I love multi-camera sitcoms so much, and I'd never been uh, on the stage of one. Yeah. So just to see all the 
intricate like uh, military maneuvers that have to happen <laughs> for that to come off. Like the fact that you do that 22 times a year. Is I do. A it, yeah, it was, but it was really, it was really fun. And you told me Ken got a few laughs, and I said, Miami even said you got a few laughs, and he talked it off to like. I said, well, there's no studio audience. Somebody has to laugh. <laughs> well, no, it was very, fu- <laughs> it was very funny. It's a good bit. Like uh, Miami carries it because. She's kind of the chatty uh, passenger on the plane, and I just want to put my headphones on. I'm playing Grumpy Ken myself. So it's very funny. It's very easy to play. Well, uh, method acting. People have to wait a few weeks, but September 29th is the debut of season three of Call Me Cat. Correct. That's when you can With see special both guest of them. star, Ken Jennings. Da da da. <laughs> now, Alex Trebek hosted this show for nearly 37 years. I think we all knew just how easy he made it look, but no one knows better than the two of you. What do you think is the most challenging part of trying to host this show? I mean, I watched Alex do it up close, and I didn't understand the kind of ease and grace he had. Because you're doing so many things at once, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to run the show for the contestants, so you're part of the game, just like the writers of the board. But you're also trying to interpret it for the folks at home, so it's like you're a, a sportscaster almost. Mm-hmm. And it goes so fast. It really does go fast. I mean, you know, I think people don't realize how many things you're calculating as host, because you want to move things along. You also want to give things their fair weight. Um, also, there's someone in your ear and, you know, there's many opportunities for, oh, my gosh, that was the wrong thing to say. And, you know, um, there's a lot of going back. There's a lot of editing. It's- I, I find Final Jeopardy very hard because there's a lot of math. There's like they give you <laughs> a card like, with like a dozen numbers. So many numbers. And they're just swimming around your head like you're uh, Goodwill hunting. You well, know? I think also, I mean, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I feel like if I make a mistake, even if we can go back and edit it, it feels very embarrassing because I think people are like, oh, she's a celebrity or, oh, she's got a PhD. She shouldn't make simple math errors, but sometimes I do and it's very stressful. Sorry. Smart contestants, smart audience. And then I like, and then on the, on the toss the commercial, I like say my name wrong or something. And I'm like, what is even happening? What is happening? And mom, you in particular, I know you put such pressure on yourself with every response. You always want to make sure that you answer correctly to the contestants because you know how much this means to them. I see you and you're just like, I don't want to make a call that isn't the right call. Yeah, I feel, I mean, that's just sort of how I am in life. I feel a tremendous responsibility for other people's happiness, which sometimes is good and sometimes (laughs) is a real burden. Uh, But when it comes to being here, I think especially because of the legacy, the legacy of Alex and the legacy of Ken, you know, it's, it is, it's a lot of pressure. (laughs) So, like, I've done the opposite. I've, like, ruled too fast, and people over here are like, no, 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 Ken, you know, uh, right. they, you know they're calling attention to my mistake. So, oh. you know, the pace is impossible. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian... Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. 
When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. To get right. Right. Aside from the pressure, what do you think is the most rewarding part of the job? Oh, I just love watching people play. I love the excitement. I love the competition. You know, I'm a person that is very competitive and I do love games. I love sports. To me, this is like, it's it's a sport. And when people get excited, when they get disappointed, I just love seeing it all, you know? Yeah, I've played the game, and it's, it's so fun. Have you now? It's so fun. <laughs> a couple <laughs> times, a couple times. But it's just a very intense adrenaline right. experience that you kind of chase for the rest of your life. And when the games get really good out here, when the, when the three players are really mm-hmm. cooking and it's intense and it's close, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in there playing. You know, you're part of the game, you're yep. part of the show. There's this transcendent thing that happens where the audience is, is locked in, uh, and I just live for that. Can you walk us through kind of what a, a day of hosting Jeopardy looks like? Well, I come in looking like Ken, and then they make me look like this. <laughs> wow, like looking like me right now? This good? Well, I think, you know, for, for me, um, you know, it's, it's putting on your game face. It's putting on your game hair and um, your game clothes. So, yeah, we, we start early and um, go over the clues and get to um, spend time some of my favorite time is the time with the writers and just getting to see how they work and how they communicate. It really feels like I'm back in grad school where you're just kind of watching incredible minds put things together and we check and make sure it makes sense and that everything feels kind of copacetic. And then, yeah, I get into hair and makeup. And then, as Ken said, it goes fast, you know, from the first, you know, for me, the first pair of heels to the last. It's like, <laughs> it's like that. You do, mean, this, you do this in high heels I and, do. and backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Me and Ginger See? Rogers. Extra it's, points. It's five shows. We should explain to people that yeah. we, we do a full week in a day. So when Mime's talking about, you know, putting your heads together with the writers on, on all the clues, mm-hmm. that's five games worth of clues. That's yeah. hundreds it's and hundreds of It's a lot of words. Of facts. <laughs> There's a lot going on here on a, on a tape day. Yeah, we get a lunch break. I usually nap. Um, you can nap? Can I-, <laughs> I can. We can talk about it. I do crazy short naps in that room. Um, also I go we, get some sun because I'm we, from Seattle. I just want to get outside. <laughs> um, and and we, we technically, we share a dressing room, not that we're in it together. Um, but I always feel like, well, I hope Ken doesn't mind me napping on his couch. There's you a never, drool on you the never pillow, leave you know? me like little pranks or anything. Oh, no. See? There's no, never I a haven't. frog in the fridge. No, you never find like, a piece of my hair. Wait till next April Fool's. I think it could happen. Uh, you're going to be hosting our new primetime Celebrity Jeopardy. Yep. How excited are you for that? I'm very excited. Um, I know some of the uh, celebrities that are going to be playing, and I'm excited for kind of expanding the format and letting people both see celebrities playing actual Jeopardy the way we all know and love it, um, but also with their own personal flair. And, you know, usually with our contestants, they're very on task and on target and want to get to the next clue. And um, with some of these celebrities, I think they're also just going to enjoy being in this environment. So I think it'll be a real combination. And Ken, you've started in syndication for season 39 with an audience for the first time in two and a half years. (laughs) What's that been like? It really threw me at first. Uh, You know, during COVID, we've had no studio audience here. So you walk out to kind of dead silence, some polite, <laughs> some board clapping from three crew members. 
three or union guys are like, yeah, it's Ken. <laughs> uh, so like the, bur the burst of applause of people who were just so happy to be back at Jeopardy, like, like it really moved me and I, I totally forgot what I was going to say and I had to come out and do my open again because I was so touched. And I was in the front row like this. Ken! <laughs> she had that Ken fangirl sign. So cute. Season 38, you were both a part of it. What an incredible season. Now looking ahead to season 39, what are you most looking forward to? I'd like to get less nervous as things go on, but it seems like I'm kind of maintaining a level of uh, anxious excitement that might just keep going. I'd love to feel, I don't know, you seem a lot more relaxed, but you know. I never feel relaxed out here. Mm -hmm. I always just kind of feel like, what am I You're a better actor than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for the contestants, you know? I, uh, like I know firsthand what an intense, stressful experience that is. And one of the things I try to do is, you know, try to talk them down and just say like, please enjoy this day. It was always a little bit intimidating to walk out and see Alex, not because he inculcated that, but just because the man was a legend. So I, I don't want to be part of what intimidates the contestants. I want them to know that I got their back. I Use know words what. like inculcated. They'll feel right at it's home. so relatable to say inculcate a lot on TV. <laughs> well, I think we know that no one could have ever replaced Alex. And so in my opinion, how great it was, how great it is that we have two incredible hosts. You both bring different strengths and talents. And I think it really ended up being the best that we could have ended up with. Looking ahead to the legacy, just like Alex, you will both forever be a part of this legacy. And what does that mean to you? Oh gosh, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like larger than life even to you know, sort of fathom. Um, you know, for me, I really feel like I'm joining a family that is well-established and also a, a really strong and connected family. Um, so that's really been um, really nice to join, to know that there's a, a real sense of community here and, and family here. I've been in the industry, you know, for gosh, 30, yeah, mm. almost 40 <laughs> years. And um, it's really nice. It's nice to come to a place where people um, like to be here, want to be here, and want to keep creating this thing that really doesn't need to change much because it's so good the way it is. There's also that community of viewers. You, you know what the show means in people's lives. You know, people, a lot of people plan their day around Jeopardy. It's, an, it's the exciting little treat for them in the, in the evening or the afternoon or, or whenever they watch. And it's important to people. And it's nice to feel like you're, you're kind of part of their day and part of their households as well. That's, that's very flattering. And, um, you know, Jeopardy's guaranteed to last, unlike a lot of other things in this town. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a great gig. Well, for everyone who's listening, as we mentioned, Ken will start off season 39 in syndication on September 12th. Mayim will kick off Celebrity Jeopardy on September 25th. And then in the new year, we're going to go back we'll to syndication with the two of you. Thank <laughs> you. Alex was such a legend, it took two people to replace him. Like <laughs> That's that. what I was trying to say earlier, but, you know, in a kinder way. You got there. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us on Inside Jeopardy, and let's look forward to the season ahead. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Well, 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 fantastic job, Sarah. I mean, it is, uh, I'm so used to hearing them individually. It's kind of dissonant to me to hear them both together. But my God, they seem to be forging a uh, real friendship and relationship, which is just fantastic for everyone. Fantastic for the show. Yes, two fantastic hosts. Okay, it's time for viewer questions. We love this part of the show. And you have lots to ask us these days. So let's kick it off. Okay, Ralph, he asks, on the podcast, it is said that the Tournament of Champions winner is going to be decided by the number of games won. That's three to be exact. If one contestant wins it in just three games, how will the second and third place winners 
be decided? Great question. Yeah, a lot of thought went into this. And in order to be as fair as possible, if it was to end in only three games, second place would be determined by whichever player had accumulated the most amount of money up to that point. Now, if we go to five games and let's say, you know, one contestant has won three, another has won two, the other has won none, it will be determined by the number of matches or games that has been won. So hope that answered your question. And I think it's... It's just so exciting. I can't wait. All right, Michael. Sydney asks, as a longtime Jeopardy fan, I've always looked forward to many of its tournaments, especially the Tournament of Champions. I like the idea of a new format, but just out of curiosity, why get rid of the wild cards for the high-scoring, non-winning quarterfinalists? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to sort of like think back and what it was in my thinking that sort of eliminated the wild cards. And I think I'd have to say one thing that I didn't really explain very well when I laid out this new tournament format. I think the tournament format will change a little bit year to year. It's not now always going to be, you know, 21 contestants in the TOC. It just worked out this year with the number of our winners, with our three super champions, with that super, super, super champions with those huge streaks to give them the buy and cap this field at this number. I sort of, you know, I'm a tennis player. And, you know, tennis draws tend to look different depending on what tournament and how many entrants there are uh, in the tournament. The wild cards for me, it was less about eliminating the wild cards. It was because I just loved GOAT so much. And so I wanted to go to that final where where you see these great champions really go against each other. Whoever ends up being the final three, they're going to be great champions. I just wanted to like have a more GOAT-like format at the end. And eliminating wild cards to get there, we just didn't need it with the numbers that we had. We could make a really clean tournament with the six winners who come out of those quarterfinals games introduce the three buys in to go and get the semifinals, and it would work really well. Look, for me, the issue with wildcards is that there becomes this incentive to not try to win your game. There's an incentive to finish second and therefore to be very cautious when it comes to your bet in Final Jeopardy. And I don't like taking the incentive away in a game. But I'm not even saying, hey, there will never be a wild card in, in the future of Jeopardy ever again. We just didn't really need it for this tournament. Yes, absolutely. Every game you're going to have to play to win in order to advance. Okay, Jake asks, on this week's episode, you discussed the fact that writing for the Tournament of Champions is more complex than writing for a regular game because the contestants have been on the show before. So my question is, how will this work with the new format of the tournament final? Because no one knows how long the final will go. It seems to me that there will have to be seven games prepared in advance written at a tournament level. So what happens to the clues for the remaining games if all seven games are not played, for example, if it only takes four games for one player to win three, as was the case with the greatest of all time, then you've got three unplayed games worth of leftover clues. Can those unused games or clues be repurposed into a regular game if they are written to a higher degree of difficulty than a normal game? Or do they just never get used? Oh, how could we ever let the work of our talented writers go unused? You are on the right track, Jake. And basically, we will have to rewrite some of the material to be more accessible for the regular games. But we also have the option of saving some of the material for a future TOC. And also keep in mind, some of the material can be tweaked slightly. It's not just a, you know, every tournament of champions category is not always top to bottom harder than the regular ones. So you can get an easier $2,000 clue, add a small hint to the 1600 and presto, you've got a regular clue for a regular category. I think there's this thing also that, you know, I really, you know, when I first met Billy and Michelle and we started talking about the writing philosophy for the show. And it reminded me a little bit of Millionaire. Millionaire, of course, was different. It's a different game. 
you know, one contestant had to face all 15 of those questions in a row in order to go and win the million dollars. In Jeopardy, you can occasionally opt out. You can go and be there. I would say Jeopardy is a harder show. Jeopardy, the material across the board is harder than Millionaire, which starts very easy, maintains a little bit general, then gets only very hard at the end. But really what we always try to do on Millionaire is we try to you know, challenge our contestants with range. And Jeopardy does exactly the same thing. It's the range of material that we're asking, the range of categories, the range of areas we're asking you to be strong in, more than it is the individual difficulty within within questions. However, the one thing I have observed, and especially this is true at the beginning of season 39, is that how many of our great players, and this is very true of our super champions in 38, is you watch the work they do at the bottom of the board in double jeopardy. That tends to be where those big numbers are accumulated and the games are won or lost on The Daily Show. It's true. Many of our great champions have said they take the Jeopardy round as a warm-up. You know, it really, it all comes down to double Jeopardy and certainly those higher dollar clues and trying to find those daily doubles. Okay. Well, that is it for today's episode of Inside Jeopardy. We are just two weeks away from the debut of season 39 and we have so much more in store for you. Next week, we're going to be sharing my interview from a few months back with our legendary announcer, Johnny Gilbert. We'll still be covering, of course, your game recaps and answering your questions, so keep them coming and tune in Monday for all of that. Yeah, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, As always, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, our YouTube channel, where we also put up this podcast with the transcript as well, and send your questions into Inside Jeopardy Podcast at gmail.com. See you next week. Can't wait. Back in LA, Sarah. Let's do it. <laughs>